All right. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kelly S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Today is Thursday, September 7th. We are reading from the big book, and today we are on page 94, first paragraph, starting with outline the program of action, and we are just going to be commenting on that first paragraph only. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Sarah S., 12 traditions, Robin S., readers, Katie G., Deborah R., and Penny C. The reference numbers on, or the share IDs for Wednesday, yesterday, September 6th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 10395, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 10397. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sarah S. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, this is Sarah S. Um, The 12 steps. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, properly admitted it. Step 11, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Sarah. And next, I will ask Robin S. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. 
I am Robin S. from Connecticut, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity to be of service this morning. Thank you, Robin. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. All right, so today we resume study of the big book. We're on page 94, first paragraph, starting with outline the program of action. We're just going to be reading and commenting on that first paragraph. And I will have Miss Katie G begin our reading today. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. Hey, Kelly. How are you? Doing well. Can I be how heard? Are you? <laughs> Good. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Hey, guys. Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. Okay. <clears throat> Outline the program of action, explaining how you made a self-appraisal, how you straightened out your past, and why you are now endeavoring to be helpful to him. It is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery 
Actually, he may be helping you more than you are helping him. Make it plain he is under no obligation to you, that you only hope that he will try to help other alcoholics when he escapes his own difficulties. Suggest how important it is that he place the welfare of other people ahead of his own. Make it clear that he's under no pressure, that he needn't see you again if he doesn't want to. You should not be offended if he wants to call it off, for he has helped you more than you have helped him. If your talk has been sane, quiet, and full of human understanding, you have perhaps made a friend. Maybe you have disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. This is all to the good. The more hopeless he feels, the better. He will be more likely to follow your suggestions. And KDG starting my timer. Wowza. All right. Notice it says outline the program of action, how I made a self-appraisal, and how I straightened out the past. So this isn't just that I'm KDG recovered, compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic, and I don't want to eat and binge and starve myself, and I don't want to do so happily. But it's even more. It's saying, you know, listen, I used to be this completely selfish woman, unable of having honest relationships, um, unable of having typical sex relationships, unable to show up to work. And my life is profoundly different. And the miracle is food and my body weight is not my solution anymore. And that is incredible for me. And my job now is to stay abstinent and to help other women. And I love that it says it is vital. Like, you would never tell me, Katie, I'm going to live without my liver, my brain, my heart, my kidneys, or my lungs. Those are our vital organs. You wouldn't say, hey, Katie, I'm going to show up without my brain today. Like, my body's going to function, right? So I don't show up for my life without showing up for others and trying to pass this on. But what's wonderful is, you know, it's not like they don't have to um, – they don't have to get what I'm getting. They don't have to do what I'm doing. There's no pressure. And I love, like, I shouldn't be offended if you wanted to call it off. Like, how many times have women called me and we review the whole shebang, you know, of, of who they are, who I am, you know, the program of, of action, and then they text me or they call me or they don't call me. But it's okay because – for me, I have been helped more than, than, than I've helped them. I'm sure of it because what I've done is I've, I've reinforced why it is my primary purpose is to stay abstinent and to help other women and, and who I was, the woman that I was and the woman that God has changed me into being. And that is so profound. And, um, you know, it also says um, there'll be the blah, 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 the desperation, right? Maybe I've disturbed him. The more hopeless he feels, the better. I have to say, you know, everybody says that they pray for willingness. You know what? Pray for hopelessness. Because the thing is, like I heard somebody say the other day, willingness is so overrated. Desperation. Desperation is what has motivated me. Desperation, the more hopeless I feel, the better. The more hopeless I feel, the less inclined I am to go on a sponsor shop and figure out who the best sponsor for me is and who, you know, who's going to give me the message that I think I need. I'm crazy as a nuthouse loon. That's me, right? And yet I know that I can find the right person for me. And I'm just, this is an incredible paragraph. And I am so blessed that we can live with one another, showing up for this vital program one day at a time. And I'm going to continue shoulder to shoulder. And with that, I do pass. Great. Thank you so much, Katie G. All right. 
One at a time. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Julie Nessa R. Nessa R. Kim G. Julie R. Nessa R. Kim G. Melissa C. Melissa C. Harlan G. Harlan G. Deborah R. Deborah R. All right. Well, how about we stop there? That wasn't so hard. All right. So I have Julie R. Nessa R. Kim G. Melissa C. Harlan G. And Deborah R. So, Julie R., you're first, followed by Nessa. Hi, good morning, Kelly. This is Julie R., recovered compulsive overeater in California. Sounds like there's a timer going off. It's interesting. Um, Everybody, please so, mute your phone. Press star one. Thank you. Sorry, Julie. It's okay. Um, so, basically, first, that we outlined the program of action, explaining how we have done, you know, what have we done? And, again, it's action, action, action. But I have to come into this partnership relationship, I have to come in being selfless. I can't just go in there and push and try to put that square peg in the round hole because that is not going to attract anybody. Um, They're not going to be able to identify with me if I'm coming in there like a bully. You know, I love the paragraph where it talks about if your talk has been sane, quiet, and full of human understanding, So I can't go in there with a preaching attitude. I can't go in there and saying, if you want what I have, you got to do this. So I just kind of say where, who I was before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The obesity, blah, blah, blah. But the dishonesty, the lying, the cheating, all of that and how I made myself appraisal and where I am today, but to do it on a one-on-one on an even playing field, because I am just another compulsive overeater. I'm recovered today by this program, right, of action. So the the key here is that we're going to start that thinking process when we leave. They're going to say, wow, that person thought like I did, acted like I did, behaved like I did with the food. And then just maybe this thing could work for me. Because I know for me, when I read that article of Ann Landers, about Overeaters Anonymous in 1981, it was the first time that I heard that somebody hid food, um, stole food, purged, lied, cheated for food, and always thought about it. And you know what? I'll never, that, that's what got me into the rooms because I was never the same, especially once when I went to my first OA meeting. So again, the more hopeless they feel, the better. And again, you know what, it's like I look at, you know, how many people am I working with, right? How many people are staying? You know, I have to look at my approach with this. I love it. Am I sane? Am I quiet? Am I full of human understanding? You know, I am not going in there with a hammer and, and, and making somebody feel bad. So I am just blessed that my sponsor is is tough but compassionate um anyway with that i'll pass thanks thank you julie r next up is nessa r followed by kim g nessa thank you good morning vision for you this is nessa r i am a recovered compulsive overeater in toronto canada um do not be offended if you want to call it off um, I don't know how many times I have been dumped by sponsees or maybe my sponsees just stopped calling 
before I go to qualify at a meeting and people don't approach me after my after my qualification or newcomers come into a meeting and I share and they don't come up to me afterwards, you know, and that's okay. But if my, if my nose gets out of joint, then there's a problem there, you know, because that means that my ego has gotten in the way that I'm, uh, my character defects, my selfishness, my dishonesty, my self-seeking and my fear are flaring up and it's no longer about um, carrying the message. It's, it's about me and what I want and how I think, how I think things should work. Um, instead of saying, well, you know what, um, I'm, ca- I'm doing my best to carry the message. You know, step 12 doesn't say carry the message. It says try to carry the message. Um, and that's what I'm doing. Alternatively, I can think, you know what, if I'm not attracting people, if I'm having difficulty getting sponsees or, or keeping sponsees, then maybe um, I have a problem with my delivery. You know, maybe my, my passion for this program and recovery is not coming across in an attractive, positive way. Maybe I'm too aggressive or too militant or, or whatever. Or maybe it's just simply that people want what I have but are not willing to do what I do. It could be any of those things. Um, but if my ego gets in the way, I won't be able to see any of those um, alternative interpretations of the situation because the truth is it's not about me. It's about the recovery and it's about carrying the message. And I do have to um, um, focus on what is the best way um, to carry the message, to deliver that message in a way that people become receptive. And the big book gives me a formula. It gives me a formula that tells me, you know, tell them what you were like. You know, make them identify with you so that they know that you understand. Then tell them about the hopelessness of the disease, how I was hopeless, how I came up uh, um, into program without any ideas, in total desperation, uh, without any hope in the world that I would ever, ever uh, be nothing body and in a normal thinking mind. And then once, once they're hooked, then tell them about what you've done. Um, and um, anyhow, that's all I have to share today. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Next up is Kim G, followed by Melissa C. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Some hard truths here. Maybe you have disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. This is all to the good. The more hopeless he feels, the better. He will be more likely to follow your suggestions. So I've got some... uh, some bad news, but some freeing news. Step one sucks. Step one sucks. Step one sucks. You know, I, that is me admitting that I am screwed. I am screwed. I have this allergy of the body that's a permanent condition that the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And even greater, I have this mental twist. I have this mind that's always going to convince me to go back to the food. And the only solution to that is an entire psychic change, which is the 12 steps. I can tell you, this contradicted some of the stuff that I heard in the room. You know, I was told that abstinence makes me feel better. <laughs> and actually, that's not, that's not a lie. Because abstinence made me feel anger better, made me feel depression better, it made me feel anxiety better. I was told nothing tastes as good as abstinence feels. 
I don't know about you, but being absent in the morning, in the afternoon, and at night, that's a long freaking 24 hours. I was told that absence is the most important thing in my life today without exception, and I was told to not, don't eat no matter what, no matter what, don't eat. I have to tell you, that is leaving me at the mercy of the mental twist, which is an absolute torture. You know, I was told, well, love you till you love yourself, which sounds wonderful, but I am so grateful for the people in the 12-step program that were more concerned about saving my life than hurting my feelings, that they knew they were on a life and death errand, and if they didn't disturb me, maybe at my funeral they might hear how much I like them, but they're still going to be at my funeral. And I have to say, as inspiring as a vision for you is, is as much as there's some charismatic personalities on this screen, what is the great persuader? The great persuader is going to be the food. The great persuader is going to be understanding, you know, that step one is not work listening to vision for you. Step one is work in the back of that, that, that um, you know, fast food restaurant as you're sitting there with three orders of of whatever that you ordered for fake children that you're sitting there binging your brains out. So I often hear, you know, don't give up, don't give up. I'm, I'm asking you, give up. Give up today. Give up your alcoholic foods. Give up your way of thinking. Give up the best thinking that got you crawling in the room, not only for the first time at Overeaters Anonymous, but in my experience for decades at Overeaters Anonymous. Give up those prejudices. Give up those old ideas. Being disturbed is a good place to be, and that's what I'm being told as a sponsor, as a recovery member, to, to uh, communicate in the rooms. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Next up is Melissa C., followed by Harlan G. Melissa? Hi. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, yeah, so, you know, working with others, um, it, it, this is vital. And I share that, you know, as soon as I start working with someone and they're um, interested, they seem like, okay, this is this I'm identifying in, I think I've got this thing, and we start the work, you know, right off the bat, we share. And even it's right in the doctor's opinion, it says that, um, you know, part of our plan of recovery is carrying the message and impressing upon others that they must do the same. So right in the early, very, you know, beginning conversations, I am telling people that the expectation that I have is that you will carry the message as well. And, um, you know, and then the other thing that I, like, came before me was the necessity for um, driving the hopelessness point in, you know, and um, and sometimes that um, makes you really unpopular, which, um, you know, for someone who really likes to be liked and, and is a people pleaser, um, I've learned, I have learned, I think, how to become a better sponsor um, because I think well-meaning, I offered hope before people um, were truly hopeless. <laughs> and, um, you know, and that's sort of cleaning up the mess around people rather than letting them experience the pain of the addiction. And, um, you know, and so, and that was kind of done lovingly to me as well. You know, like I would go to meetings and, um, you know, like I'm in this hole and 
uh, people kind of threw me a blanket and a pillow and made the hole a little safe and comfortable. And, you know, and so oftentimes when I work with people, um, I've heard, oh, my gosh, you're so sweet. You're so sweet (laughs) until I lay out the, the plan of action. And then I've heard, oh, my God, you're so militant. And, um, you know, and so what I, at that point, um, you know, I share, well, this is what I do. This is what I've done. You are free to look elsewhere. Really, today my feelings aren't hurt by that um, because I'm not, you know, I'm not the solution. This is the way that I work it, um, and I do it to the best of my ability. But if somebody is going to find it with someone else, okay, or if they need to get a little more hopeless, and maybe my words aren't driving in hopelessness, maybe the disease needs to drive in the point of hopelessness, that's okay too. You know, I know that this work, I do it so that I remain recovered as well. And and like I've heard before, I'm 100% successful because I'm recovered, you know. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Next up, Harlan G., followed by Deborah R. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you for your service this morning, and thank you to Team Thursday for making this magnificent meeting possible. So glad to be here this morning. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. I came into this program with towels shoved between layers of flab to keep the skin from rubbing together. I came into this program when I was 24 years old at about 500 plus pounds. That was not the heaviest I was to get. I came into this program after having my car repossessed twice. I came into this program broke of spirit, broke financially, broke emotionally, suicidal, with a fantasy of dying in my sleep because everybody promised me that I would. I had nothing. I was bankrupt in every sense that a human being can be bankrupt. And well-intentioned people, loving, wonderful people, tried to help me, and I resisted them. I was 30 years younger than anybody in that room and hundreds of pounds heavier than any of them. And then one day, little by little, in a process that takes more time to explain than the three minutes that I have, I started recovering. It took a longer time than I would have thought, but I started recovering. And I lost an enormous amount of weight. My finances got healthier and I got better at living life as an adult because of this awesome, most magnificent program. And then I read on page 77, it said, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And I understood something, that I was going to have to give back. But not everybody wanted what I was giving them, and I had to not take it personally. I had to divorce myself of any personal involvement in whether or not anybody else recovered or didn't. Today, I feel like the St. Francis prayer 
is coming true for me every day. It says, and I pray this prayer every day, part of my 11 step. It says, it is in giving that we receive. I outline the program of action for people. I do the best I can. I shoot straight from the hip. I'm more concerned with telling you my truth than I am with having you like me. Whether you like me or not, I'd like to keep you. I'm not, I can't keep you, but I'd like to know that you're alive rather than dead. I shoot right from the hip. And at the end of conversations that I have with people that I sponsor, I try to remember to say this to every one of them every time. Thank you for helping God keep me out of the food for one more day. And it is by the grace of God and the fellowship of this program that I've lost Fine. over 500 pounds. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Harlan G. Next up is Deborah R. Good morning, Deborah. Good, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Oh, happy Thursday, and thank you for everybody doing service today. Um, I caught what caught my attention was that um, Bill talked about um, at least one thing twice, and that was actually he may be helping you more than you are helping him as well as for he has helped you more than you have helped him. And um, I have learned through studying and and, um, reading this book and and teaching it and being taught that um, Bill knows his words and he doesn't usually repeat something twice if, if not needing to be said so in one paragraph. And it is true. Um, being able to be a guide for someone else is incredibly um, supportive of my own recovery. But what I like to let the uh, potential sponsor know that through my humility and but for the grace of God, go I. You know, help having an opportunity to assist you in learning how to have the freedom I've enjoyed is my pleasure. Um, and I bring them to the beginning of the forward of the first edition. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered, and, and I emphasize recovered means they are not having the obsession of the mind and the uh, allergy of the body from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. And that I have a very nasty disease. I always talk about the three or four main events in my life where I ate 144 chocolate chip cookies in 11 hours and other things I did with food so they can identify that even though I may be in a slender body for the last 18 years, that um, I know what this program's about. I know what the disease is about and that my role is to be of help and guide you. It's not Deborah's program. It's the program in this book, which we will work through together. And um, I think of us being on a um, tandem bicycle and I am just guiding. I will pedal sometimes. Sometimes I'll bring them up. Um, but it's, it's your recovery, not mine. And um, 
it's God that's helping both of us, and I would be honored to help. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Deborah. Okay, just a reminder, we are on page 94. We're on the first paragraph that starts, Outline the Program of Action, and we are just commenting on that paragraph. All right, and I'm opening it up. Who wants to comment? Barbara E. Joe and Marilyn. Mary B. Dorita P. There was somebody after Charles that I didn't hear. Lisa B. Rochelle M. in Maryland. Raquel. Raquel E. Okay, wait, hang on just a minute. Um, I have Charles H., Lisa B., Dorito P., Rochelle, I didn't get your um, last initial. M. M. And Barbara E. Let's let's stop there. Um, and if everybody could pre- please remute star one. And uh, we'll start with Charles H. followed by Lisa B. Good morning, Charles. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you for your, your lovely service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. I remember Ebby Thatcher. Not that I remember. I wasn't born then, but. I listened to a talk on every T in 1961 when he was in San Jose, California. He said every time he stayed busy, like, you know, when he, uh, he worked in Texas, when he spray painted his house, um, he didn't drink. You know, the Akron physician, Dr. Bob, helped the New York stockbroker more than uh, the New York stockbroker helped the Akron physician. Because if, if I could take you to a vision for you, Chapter 11, that chapter 11 means I'm broke, right? I'm broken, not just uh, financially, just spiritually and physically. It says, the text says he was on thin ice. He was on thin ice. His business didn't come off well. He made some phone calls to some special people. Um, and he got a hold of, of, of the uh, Akron physician. The Akron physician helped him more than I could more than he could ever help the Akron physician. It is important to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. Actually, he may be helping you more than you are helping him. And, you know, I come on the line this morning to plead, to plead, don't be that bunny beating the crap out of that person that's not having their experience that they should have. Because imagine a bunny beating the crap out of you, and it's not. I'm not talking about that little white substance that ain't got no hands or legs that's kicking you. I'm talking about uh, that condescending spirit that's trying to be helpful, but you just hurting that newcomer. You hurting that person that that don't want help. You trying to help somebody that don't want help. You know the 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 baby elephant that's in uh that's in the Sahara Desert that just said, I just don't. I just want to lay here. And the elephant mother is, is touching the, the, the baby with her trunk. And the whole, I don't know what they, what they call them, a tribe or pride or whatever, and they're leaving. And the mother elephant is like, instinctively, i got to leave you. Because if I don't, it will be two of us lying here in the Sahara Desert. And as cold as it sounds, it just don't make sense to be that bunny rabbit smacking somebody to death, calling them to death. I'm not saying alienate them. But don't try to shove this program down somebody's throat that's not hungry for it. Let them have their experience because they're helping you more than 
you could ever help them. They're showing you what it could be like if you get that bright idea. So I thank that sponsor, which is my sponsee, that's helping me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles. Next up is Lisa B., followed by Dorita P. Good morning. This is Lisa B. Can you hear me okay? I sure can. Okay, thank you. Good morning. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. So back on page 90, we were instructed that ask him if he wants to quit for good and if he would go to any extreme to do so. And then on page 92, it says, explain the many are doomed who never realize their predicament. And now on page 94, um, it's saying outline the program of action, explaining how you made a self-appraisal. So you know what really comes to my mind with this uh, reading this morning is the gratitude. I am afflicted with an illness that is chronic, it's progressive, and it's fatal. But my mental mind tells me that that's not true, that it's really not that big of a deal. So I have the chance to have a life that is better than any life I ever could have imagined, that is just full of so much rich stuff based in the spiritual world, you know, not the outside world. I have an illness that's based on the inside. And for so many years, I tried from the outside to make myself feel better. So these steps are giving me instructions now on this 12th step. Suggest how important it is that he place the welfare of other people ahead of his own. Well, that's what I'm learning. I'm learning with this person. Make it clear that he's not under any pressure. So, um, you know, the other thing that jumps out for me is where it says sane, quiet, and full of human understanding. Well, that's never been a part of my, my experience, being sane, quiet, and full of human understanding. These steps, the 12 steps, working them all the while, entirely abstinent from my alcoholic foods, as it's described in the doctor's opinion, going through the steps, having the experience. Now I'm able, through the process of these 12 steps to be sane and quiet and full of human understanding. I don't have that ability on my own. And then it says maybe you have disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. Well, guess what? I'm the one that usually gets disturbed about the alcoholism or untreated compulsive overeating, which is just like alcoholism. It's the same, one and the same, just different substances. I'm the one that gets disturbed. That's how this person helps me more than I'm perhaps helping them because it's through the process of sharing that that human exchange, the language of the heart, that I get reminded over and over again who and what I really am. So whether or not they get it, I hang up the phone feeling, wow, I really get this. I need to keep doing this. And then sometimes, on a few occasions, they do come along with me and concede to their innermost being who and what they are. I'm just the the vehicle, you know, carrying it. I'm just carrying it, trying to, attempting to. But it's really saving my own butt. And I'm learning to become a better person, a more uh, selfless person, a better person, the way God intended me to be in the process, and experiencing joy, a type of joy on the inside from another world, a spiritual world. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa. Next up is Dorita P., followed by uh, Rochelle M. Good morning, Dorita. Hi. Thank you. Hi. Good morning. Uh, Thank you for your service. My name is Dorita P. from Cleveland, uh, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, This part here, um, actually, uh, it is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a 
vital part in your own recovery. Actually, he may be helping you more than you are helping uh, him. Uh, my sponsors or people would say, you know, when we were hanging up uh, the phone, they would say, oh, thank you, you know, thank you. I say, no, no, thank you. Uh, you're helping me more than I could ever help you. And they, they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. But what I need to do, I'm, I'm grateful to be reading this today, that I need to uh, make it plain. He is, un- well, no, not that part. Uh, suggest how important it is that he placed the welfare of other people ahead of his own. Um yeah, make it plain he well is under no obligation to you. Well, I, I do that, but this part here that you hope uh, only that uh, he will try to help other alcoholics when he escapes his own difficulties, and you know that really helped me because they told me uh, that the purpose of me going through the fifth step so that I could be um, so that I could. Uh, take other people through their fifth I, I'm able, once I do the fifth step, I'm able to uh, take other people through the, or listen to other people's fifth step. And then this part down here, um, uh, well, this part here, um, if your talk is, has been sane, quiet, and full of human understanding, you have perhaps made a friend. And that's the least I try to do, you know, is make a friend. And um says maybe you have disturbed him about uh, the question of alcoholism. Uh, this is all to the good. The more hopeless he feels, the better. Uh, he will be more likely to follow your suggestions. I was talking to a a new sponsor yesterday, and and I, I think you know I think I did make her feel hopeless, but I think she, you know, I made her ready. I made her more ready to try to follow some of the suggestions. Um, you know, I talked about the doctor's opinion, and she's reading the first 164 pages, and um, and we have several tests in here to determine if we are a real compulsive overeater or if we're a compulsive overeater. And one of the things I also told her was that, you know, if you um, plan to eat something or not eat something and you find that you can't stick to that or, you know, you can't keep your promise to yourself, then you're probably one of us. And I'm just really great. Thank you. I'm, I'm just really grateful for this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Dorita P. And next up is Rochelle M. followed by Barbara E. This is Rochelle M. in Maryland. Um, I don't usually tie myself, but I have a sponsee calling me in about two minutes, so I'll try to be quick. Um, I, I'm very grateful for, for this program, and I think my, my experience must be different from what I hear um, expressed in a kind of an orthodox manner on this, on this meeting, and that is you can't be... Um, living in recovery or being recovered unless you've, you're living in the steps. Um, my, my experience is a little bit contrary. By that I mean for the first, even though I read the first 164 pages, my, my food sponsor told me to do that when I first came in nine years ago. Um, nevertheless, I basically would have, was living, working the tools and through step seven for the last um, six years. And 
those years, I certainly stayed abstinent and, and worked the tools and went to my meetings. And I found that for myself, when I came, when I approached, when I had a resentment or something that was bothering me, I was restless, irritable, discontent. As I approached my, my weekly face-to-face meeting, uh, that despair and sense of anxiety left me, and, and the meeting itself served as a, a haven for me. And um, although I, I must say that I am grateful that I was introduced by a good friend to Vision for You in my, my uh, sixth year of just working the tools and staying abstinent, and that has at some point I found that I had to deepen my sense of commitment to the program, and that's where I started working the steps and listening to this meeting. It has made a profound difference in the way I live my life, but I think it is is possible. Perhaps it, perhaps it was only my unique experience, although I'm told that we think we're terminally unique, but for me it worked, and and to this day I'm so grateful to my higher power that I am living in my ninth year, approaching my tenth year of abstinence, entire abstinence, free of relapse. And for that, I, I thank my, my higher power, Pat. Thank you so much, Rochelle. And next up is Barbara E., followed by Larry K. Hi, this is Barbara E. in New Jersey. The sun is out. It's shining. Everyone has been so eloquent who's spoken before me that I'm going to go off on an entirely different tack. This morning, I got up, my alarm went off, I went to take the garbage out to the front garbage day in in West Orange, and it was dark, so dark out, and it's not December. I needed a flashlight just to find my way just like I needed a guide to guide me through the book and the abstinence. Why was it so dark? Well, my alarm had gone off, but instead of going off at 10 of 6, it went off at 10 of 5. I had a whole hour to wait eagerly for the meeting to commence, but I used it to my good advantage. I read, I meditated, I thought on yesterday and I planned for today because I was certainly imperfect yesterday. I needed that flashlight when I came into OA 21 years ago. I needed a guide, someone to hold my hand. Be firm, be compassionate, but be firm. I needed to be abstinent. I need to follow the steps. I need to make amends on a daily basis. I need to know that when a sponsee, for whatever reason, leaves, it's not about me. I need ego reduction. I need to be of maximum service. I need to be that flashlight, and I need to accept that I will always need the flashlight, and the way to do it is to carry the message be abstinent, pray, get on this meeting, and be blessed enough to go to the convention a week from tomorrow. Woo-hoo! Pass. Thank you, Barbara. Next up is Larry Kay. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Kelly. Can you hear me okay? I can. Thank you. Okay. Oh, good. Thanks for your service, Kelly. I appreciate it. I'm Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader. Um, I'm from Chicago. 
you know, when Foucault suggests how important it is that he placed the welfare of other people ahead of his own, now it's 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 kind of curious to me because here you are, you know, you're you're working with a person who's still suffering in this disease, you know, they're in a place of desperation, and and now the text instructs us to talk about how imperative it is that he placed the welfare of others ahead of his own, and you know, you know, why would the big book tell us to do that? Well, well, obviously, you know, paying attention to our wants and needs is is certainly appropriate. It's human, even necessary. But whether you know I'm feeling extremely bad or nervous about myself, ruminating about how others perceive us, or indulging in you know sometimes I can indulge in grandiose thoughts about my my specialness. The problem with that is when I do those things, I'm kind of descending into a state of self-absorption. That's the that's how I view selfishness now is self-absorption, and you know when when self-absorption is explored in in literature. You know, it's generally contrasted with self-reflection, self-awareness, uh, introspection. And there's a big distinction there that I need to know between uh, reflection and self-absorption. And when I carry this message to someone, I try to be consistent. And I say, you know, the steps were not designed to get you off the substance. You know, no, you, you, you make that choice on your own, as we all do, to put the food down. That happens through our willingness. The steps, rather, were designed to produce an essential psychic shift. It tells us that in the big book. That's, that's why the steps exist, is to produce an essential psychic shift where you're brought into alignment with the God, not my God, the God of your understanding. And that happens through the program of action. That's what I tell people when I, when I carry this message. This is between you and your higher power. I, I'm but a small little part in this deal. Believe me, if I'm bringing you closer to me rather than to God, I'm doing you a disservice. The idea is for you to walk with the higher power of your own understanding. That's the purpose of the steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you so much, Larry. Um, okay, this is uh, Kelly S., and I'm going to share real quick. I wanted to share something about my experience recently with this topic in a different way. Um, I started recently going back to um, face-to-face meetings. And I know a lot of you have this same kind of story, so I'm just going to be honest. So I quit. You know, I've been around for 37 years. I quit going to meetings, um, God, over 10 years ago because this is all my opinion. I'm putting this out here. I'm like, there's no recovery there. I'm not going there. There's nothing there for me. So, you know, of course, I just went back out and practiced my disease. And, you know, I'd like to share that vision for you, the, this meeting, studying the big book, was my Ebby, and I started listening to it. And it was because um, of you guys sharing your saying, and your saying quiet, full of human understanding, because I heard that, you sharing your experience, strength, and hope on this meeting, that I finally was willing to do the work. You know, I'm going to tell you, listening to the meeting for two years didn't get me abstinent, didn't get me willing. It was my desperation that finally did. So then I kept hearing this message about, you know, take your uh, recovery, take the big book back to the meetings, be, be the recovery, you know, because I still kept going, I'm not going back there, there's no recovery there, blah, blah, blah. Not that I have a problem with judgmentalness or criticalness, but, you know, and anyway, so I kept hearing the message, my higher power led me back there. And so this paragraph um, is really good for the people in, this, in the rooms, you know. And so I remember going, when I first started going back to the face-to-face meetings, I sat there and like, 
you know, I prayed a lot, gave me a lot of opportunities with my program. Then I found myself wanting to just like take my big book up in my hand and start proselytizing and be like, y'all need to be in the big book. Do you listen to vision for you? And then, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, I just got back from a vacation. I keep thinking about some of those religious people on the corner flipping little cards at me as I walk by. And I'm like, uh, putting my hand up. No, thank you. No, thank you. So, you know, I just remember what I, what I heard in this vision for you. What I hear in this book, this paragraph is, I just need to share my experience, strength, and hope, keeping it in the book. Bottom line, that's the thing I ask myself. Am I following the directions in the big book? Am I sharing that with people? You don't have to preach it. I just have to be the example. I started hearing you guys, you know, listening to what you were doing, listening to you doing the work, hearing your recovery. You know, that's what I wanted. And, of course, my desperation finally got me to that point that I'm like, fine, I'll do it. I'll do whatever. And like somebody else said, there is no work like my disease. My disease took more work, time, and energy than this program ever, ever, ever could. And it's given me back so much more. And now I'm going to my face-to-face meetings. I'm going to tell you, I'd like to say I never have to pray when I'm there. I'm praying less and less, sometimes not hardly at all. So it's kind of a cool thing. And I leave that meeting so you know, with so much full of hope, people asking me questions, calling me more. And um, I am getting so much more. I hadn't been there in a long time. So, you know, just remember, you know, we're supposed to be of service, not to the people that aren't in the rooms, but even to these people that are in the rooms. You know, that was me. You know, there's a lot of us that have been around suffering, and a lot of people say, I just want to work with a newcomer. Thank God my sponsor was willing to take me on. And, you know, we can't close our minds to the people who have been around suffering for so long. So I just wanted to share my experience with that because it's been a struggle and a process and a real gift in my life today. So, um, we have time for one two minute share. Anybody have a burning desire? Matt, Matt? okay, you got two minutes, Matt. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. This is Matt Evans over here from New Jersey. I just want to share an experience of a, friend, a good friend of mine. She she needs to she he definitely needs this program. But uh, how I was trying to force it down her throat like so many times, and trying to get her to see me by by showing her my shining example. And I'm definitely no example. I'm struggling with the food myself. But she's seen all the weight loss that I've lost, and she saw she saw in me. But like I said, it's up to her. She hasn't done enough suffering, and it may be for her. And this program isn't isn't for people who want or people. Need it so people would do the work, and me myself, I need to focus on myself and stop and stop trying to be some kind of example to other people. That's my problem. I want to show everybody what I'm doing rather than going ahead and just do the work. So I'm really realizing that as far as sponsoring is concerned, when I was sponsoring, I try to. I think I was trying to make people want it more than I more than they wanted it for themselves. So was, I really have to sometimes just leave people alone and focus on myself and just try to get myself working my recovery. That's basically what I have to learn instead of trying to stop proselytizing and say how wonderful this program is when people need to see it for themselves. Now that'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Matt M. All right. Well, with that, um, thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Uh, the share ID for today, Thursday, September 7th, is 10400. So we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Deborah R. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, be glad to do this. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. 
but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless and keep you. Until then.